Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as mm-hmm. soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, oh. guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online, and, and I'm in a different part of the country. Mm-hmm. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough, and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then, and you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email from someone who said to me, Carol, I'm having a lot of trouble getting my husband to go through your book, Help Her Heal. What would you advise somebody who I believe means well but doesn't have the discipline to really get it done. Okay, that's a tough question. And, you know, if they really don't, well, let's just put it this way. If they're not able to do the book, I probably feel like they're not willing to put the effort in in other places. However, don't give up yet. I believe in accessing all five of the senses. And if they're not able to read the book and figure it out, then maybe they could do an online course. So here's the deal. I have an online course. I don't know when it's coming out. It's actually all loaded. Now I just have to get it approved. So by the university that's helping me do it. And what that means is that if you're not somebody who likes to do a lot of reading, I actually have created 12 modules where I teach you about the book. The handouts are available. The transcripts are available. The PowerPoints are available. I mean, it can't get much simpler than that. And you can do it at your own time. And so if you're somebody who likes to Look at somebody and hear what they have to say and go over the material. Hey, that's another way to learn. So here's my promise. It'll be out before my next show. Well, okay, maybe it won't because I've actually got a couple of men that I want to review the course and make sure that I have done everything I was supposed to. Let me just tell you, I got this course and I did notice three typos. So I go back after I've already recorded over it. I mean, my face is on it. I can't change it. And I go back to the original and I hit spell check and it says spell check is correct. But there's an extra bullet. There's a a period missing. So I guess what I'm saying is, please have mercy on me. Most of it looks absolutely perfect, but there are probably three or four problems. And so I'm going to just ask, a couple of men to review it and to really help me to figure out, did we get it right? And then once they give me the go-ahead, and that that would be, I'm going to actually pick an addict and a partner. I already know who I'm going to pick. If you're listening to this show, you know who I'm going to ask to do this for me because I know you'll do it and I know you'll do a good job. 
So I'm super, super, super excited because it's just another way for you to get this information. I know that this information about developing empathy is changing the world. And so I'm going to ask you to think about that as another way. If you're reading the book and you won't do the exercises, if you're a wife and you see that he's doing some of it, but he's not into it as much as you'd like him to be into it, well, don't get discouraged. Now, I got to tell you, I'm on a little bit later because my guest couldn't be on till later, and I'm so thrilled. She called me, and we're hours apart from each other, and she said, hey, I'm ready. And I'm like, hey, we're going on in a little bit. So we are compromising, and we're on now, and I can see that she's already on. So, Wendy, I just want to tell my um, listening audience that it's my anniversary, and although I just spent an hour walking with my husband and an hour watching HGTV, we love to look at all the vacation um, places and, and imagine what it would be like to live there. Now I am with you. So, Wendy Conquest, <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor, and happy anniversary. Well, thank you so much. 19 years, and I'll, I'll just tell you two facts. One is that um, my husband and I met each other. He's seven years younger, so I met him, obviously, almost 20 years ago, and neither one of us had been married, and neither one of us had kids. So we were more likely to be hit by lightning than to have met each other. How about that? Right. Right. That's great. That's a great story. Congratulations. That's really wonderful. Well, I know you you mean it. Yeah, exactly. You believe in couples. I mean, couples are what you're all about. So this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Sex addiction, betrayal trauma, and how to unstick the couple. So tell us a little bit about, you know, why do you think couples get stuck when they're trying to recover from sexual addiction and betrayal trauma? Right. Well, thank you for asking that. Um, so I think uh, I'm a believer in the 12 steps in SAA and SA and uh, COSA and Essanon. Um, uh, um, and so um I think that those programs do a great job, especially for the addicts, in getting them to a place of sobriety and um, a lot of self-reflection. And I think that for Mm -hmm. the partners, it can be an enormous way to um, get a lot of support. But what I find is that the 12-step programs sort of stop at that point. And so then when couples are recovering and they are saying, okay, so, you know, we want to take this next step and start to be physical and start to be sexual. They they really don't have a lot of guidance on how to do that. And I've also found that a lot of um, therapists will say, they'll they'll get to the emotional piece and they'll get to um, more trust. But this bridge of starting to become physical a lot of times is lost or not uh, talked about or not talked about well. And so that's I really what I wanted to do tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, you know, sexuality is so tough after this kind of betrayal has occurred. And so what do you think is an appropriate timeline to be sexual again after discovery and hopefully after disclosure? Right. So um, what what I really want to um, find out with especially the partner is as much as possible, um, I want her to be having a somatic body awareness. And so what that means is that she gets out of her head and that she really starts um, identifying what she feels when her partner or her husband sits down, and I'm using those those gender pronouns um, for simplicity's sake, um, but when uh, when her husband or partner sits down on the couch next to her, does her heart 
start uh, beating rapidly, not in a good way, right? Does, does, she, does she go into that fight-or-flight response? Um, does she uh, lean away from him? Uh, if he asks for her hand, does she just you know, throw it on top of his hand without any real awareness of how her body is, is really reacting to his presence? And for him, um, I have to say my, my most recovered guys, I know that they're in full recovery when they say, you know, Wendy, if we don't have sex again, really, I just have given that away somehow. Um, I'm happy if she wants to just embrace. I'm happy if she just wants to cuddle with me. For, for me... I've developed such a compassion for her, such a closeness to her, that that's enough. If um, sex or sexuality comes uh, in addition to that, then I'm grateful, but I'm not pushing for it. It's not a requirement for me. Um, I, I just I want to be close to her. You know, Wendy, it is so interesting you say that because that is truly what I find that evolved sex addicts who are in great recovery, what they believe. And when they believe that, it takes the pressure off their life and they're more likely to get unstuck. As a matter of fact, I know that several of the 12-step programs say, you know what, your sex addiction is first and foremost, and then your ability to reconnect and develop intimacy is first. So that yep. is not about sex. That's about closeness and connection. And that's what you're talking about, right? right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I find is that a lot of the partners will, well, both. I would say both the partners and the addicts are both mm, eager to move on. You know, we, we just want to be in a different place. We want to be in a better place. And so there's this sort of grasping and pushing to be farther along. And all the things that we know now about trauma and how trauma works in the brain and body, we just know that this isn't something that can be pushed or forced. The, the, the brain and thus the body will um, let go of the defense mechanisms when somebody feels safe. And so this is, this is the key, is how to have both the partner, and I'm going to say also the addict, feel safe. Because when the partner is rageful and angry, which we totally expect, we totally know this, that this happens, um, mm-hmm. when, when that happens, um, the addict actually then gets um, a lot of trauma f- from that experience. So there's this um, development of, of both of them um, starting to communicate in such a way so that they can both feel safe, that they can both take you know, deep breaths and relax when they're around each other. Well, and you know, I know that I am part of APSATS, which is an additional certification program separate from being a CSAT. And With APSATS, we really believe that the very first phase for partners is safety and stabilization, and that's what you're referencing here. You're you're like saying the partner has to have some sort of an emotional safety, and we know that she doesn't based on the sexual betrayal, but there are lots of things that he can do to make her feel safe, and we want to give him credit too in that here he is doing a lot of the work but when he sees her so activated and triggered it doesn't make him feel safe either because he's thinking gosh I'm in better recovery now and she doesn't look any better to me and that really is a paradox for him wouldn't you agree mm-hmm. I yeah I do agree I, I think that um well, there's a, there's a graph that I show every couple that comes in, and it basically shows um, the addict going down in his addiction. And then when he gets into recovery, um, he starts um, uh, gaining more knowledge, 
about who he is and how the addiction occurred. And he starts looking better and better and his mood uh, increases, self-esteem increases. And what I find is because the partners are really generally so competent, so smart, so put together that um, so many people expect her to maybe do this little bit of a dip, um, but then be fully supportive of his recovery, fully engaged you know, in, the, in the coupleship. But what I find over and over again is that when he starts getting into recovery, she starts a decline that a lot of times is way worse than his worst moment in the addiction. And so what I say to all my couples, and especially the guys, is, look, we're expecting you to lead in this. We're expecting you to take more responsibility in the coupleship than her. The history most likely has been that she's been the one to do that, but now we want that from you. And so her recovery is at least two to three years um, really behind his. And so I keep on reminding the guys, you have to be patient. You have to keep doing your work. It's just going to take her longer. And um, the guys that really can be patient, keep doing their own work, and also step into the coupleship in a different way, um, these couples seem to be the most successful. Well, 100%. So, you know, you've said in a different way. So my experience is when men are really in recovery, they kind of have this openness and brokenness and this humility about them, and it gives them the compassion to say, I'll do whatever it takes to help her heal. And, you know, that's kind of what my book is all about. And truly, when they take that attitude then they are more patient, they expect less, they look for other ways for connection, trust, and, and intimacy, and boy, they make for a better partner. I mean, they show up and yeah. help their partner to feel safe. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more, and um, I appreciate your mentioning your book, um, I've, I've written one book and co-authored a second book. And in the second book, um, Letters from a Sex Addict, this book really talks about um, how the addict sounds at different phases of recovery. And so I, I love recommending this book. And I wrote it with Dan Drake in, in L.A. He's got in L.A. And, and on the FSET board, too, I, 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 if I'm not uh, mistaken. And you so, are right. Um, this, book, yeah, this book is about, um, it, it's, it's great for the addict because uh, the addict will say, I'm saying all the right things. I'm doing all the right things. And I'll hand them the book and say, look at chapter three. Is, you know, look at chapter four. Is this what you're saying? Is this what you're sounding like? And they're like, well, no. Okay, then, um, you, you, you know, you need to learn better ways of managing your own feelings and really empathizing with her and communicating with her in an appropriate way. I also refer uh, the partner to it because sometimes they're saying, you know, is it, is it just me? Is, is this what recovery is supposed to sound like? And so we say, well, no, actually he's sounding like someone that's still in some denial and that's a problem. So this isn't your imagination. Um, he's really not where he needs to be. Um, so, um, I, I just, the whole gaslighting piece um, really drives me crazy when, when addicts do that. I, I really believe they don't even know they're doing that a lot of times. It's really unconscious, but it's, it's really so um, devastating when uh, the partner is, is still potentially getting fooled. Um, and, and this can happen when the addict will say, um, you know, well, when are we going to be sexual? And, you know, the partner's like, I don't know. And sometimes she'll force herself to be. And gosh, Carol, you know, I've had clients. I mean, I've I've been specializing in this for 10 years now. I've been a therapist for 20. And I see clients that develop cancer, uh, that start having all kinds of uh, physical symptoms, 
from, you know, chronic yeast infections. You know, when they're not ready to take that step, the body has this way of saying, no, I I am not going there. If you want to force this, okay, but I'm going to show you I am not okay with this. Well, and, you know, i got to remind people, I am talking with Wendy Conquest, and truly, she has written two books. She co-authored one. Her first book is Letters to a Sex Addict, The Journey Through Grief and Betrayal. And her second book is Letters from a Sex Addict, My Life Exposed, and it's co-authored with therapist Dan Drake. And it's really create a unique experience of hearing addict voices from denial through recovery. You guys have been pioneers in the field in terms of knowing exactly where an addict is and exactly where a partner is. And I believe spoon feeding them the kind of information they need to get better because you and I know both the partner and the addict is traumatized. And for the addict, I've always said, I don't know if he didn't have the skills to begin with or if he lost the skills, you know, his sexual addiction robbed him from those skills. Mm -hmm. But clearly, coming out of his sex addiction in in recovery, it's really hard for him to know what to do. And you have been instrumental in helping men and, and female sex addicts know what they can do to feel better about themselves and to help their partners heal. So can I ask you a little bit, because sex is such a tough subject, and it's hard for any couple to talk about, let alone when there has been sexual betrayal. What do you think is the worst thing that a couple can do that could hurt their ongoing recovery? Um, Jump into bed together without... (laughs) Uh, talking about what um, what went wrong in the first place, uh, just trying to sort of, you know, get over the feelings um, of betrayal or get over the feelings of, um, uh, of being uh, uh, scared around having sex. So the, the way that I start my couples off um, around this is – I have them um, both sit on the couch, and then I ask the partner to feel into her body and say, you know, what are you experiencing right now? And so um, she uh, will, and I'll watch, and a lot of times her shoulders are going up or her arms are starting to cross, and she'll say, I think I'm feeling a little nervous. I said, okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And so I asked the addict, can you just scoot over, just scoot over six inches away from her? And so he does that, and we check in again, and she checks in again. She says, okay, I can breathe a little bit easier now. I said, okay, but your shoulders are still way up high. Hey, you know, can you, um, you know, Miss, Mr. Joe, move over another six inches or maybe even over a foot? And then um, visually um, he can see it. I can see it. She relaxes. Wherever that might be, it might be on um, another couch, maybe five feet away from her. But we we experiment with that distance, and so um, and we experiment with well, how long can you um, can you stand him maybe looking at you, just looking you know at your face before you say, okay, that's enough. Um, and so what I also, if they're both on the couch and there's an, and she's determined the appropriate space, I might say to him, can you just put your hand out right on the couch, face up, and just, it's an offering. And in your mind, can you just say, I'm just offering my hand to you? And the most interesting thing that's happened with this, Carol, um, if she just, throws her hand out there right away. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's just slow down for a minute. I want you to feel the offering and feel in your own body of what feels right. And she might say, uh, I don't want to hold his hand. And then he yanks his hand away. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, whoa. Okay, Mr. Joe, you need to keep your hand there. 
And for him, this is very difficult, right? This is him oh, making an offer and, and really confronting the avoidance, really confronting, oh, my gosh, she's rejecting me. But him standing firm in, I'm here for you. I'm offering my hand, and I'm going to keep offering it no matter what you feel. And I understand that it could be fear. This is really, really powerful because she gets to just see in a pure physical way that he's showing up. And it's, well, it's, I mean, it moves me emotionally when, when, I, when I see this work happening. You know, that so coincides with what I call the seven, seven principles of dealing with conflict after sexual betrayal because truly when an addict is in good recovery, and I'm talking anywhere from 12 weeks to six months, when, when he's really shifted and he's got some support and he's utilizing, as Patrick Carnes calls, the committee, and he's in a, a, a re- that recovery group, whether that's 12-step, whether that's um, Men of the Battle, whether that's Recovery Nation, but he is actively involved. He's got his fellowship. He's got his mentors and his sponsors, and and he is reading and meditating and praying, and he's learning empathy, and he's understanding about his addiction. He's doing everything right, and we understand that partners are not going to trust their spouses at that point. You know, as a matter of fact, sometimes the better they get, the worse the partner Mm -hmm. feels because she's like, when's the other shoe going to drop? I just know it's going to drop. I can't trust this. And what you're asking and showing in your therapy is that he should not feel rejected. He should not recoil that he needs to mm-hmm. be there with her and, as I say, contain her anxiety, her fear, and her mistrust, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, Carol, I listened to um, one, one of your, um, gosh, I don't think it was a show. I think it was, just, it was a podcast, and I hope I have it right. It, it, was it Head, Heart, and Gut? Was that the referencing that you did? You got um, it. When I listened to Okay, good. I mean, okay, good, good, good. So that so was this me. Is, this is exactly, okay, so this is exactly, this exactly coincides with what you were talking about. And I listened to it and I said, oh my gosh, we're right on the same page. So, um, you know, her head might be saying one thing, her heart even might be saying another thing. But what we're looking for is that real gut reaction of, you know, how close physically can he be so that I can still be in my skin, you know, take a deep breath. And, and it, it just is what it is. It just is what it is. And from there we can say, okay, so um, any idea of what you would need to feel even more safe. And um, I have had, it's been the most amazing thing. It's happened recently with a number of couples the guy has spontaneously done this. I, I didn't ask for it. She's on the couch, and he goes down to the floor and, and sits on the floor and is looking up at her. And I'm like, wow, that, you know, intuitively, instinctively, these men uh, knew that even sitting on the couch with her was too much. But to, to you know, I hate to say it, it's not lower, like, you know, being inferior. It's just, um, I'm going to not be taller than you. I'm not, you know, I'm going to be on the floor. And I think Stan Tatkin has um, a piece where he has the guy kneeling, you know, to their wives and basically saying, you know, you're everything to me. You're my queen. You know, you're, 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 um, um, I, I um, you know, I adore you. I love you from, from that positioning. Um, and, and I don't, you know, I don't personally, professionally, I don't like it when it's contrived like that. Um, it, I think that the guy really has to say, you know, can I be vulnerable enough to um, take this particular stance? 
so that I'm as 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 least threatening as I possibly can be. Well, and when you've been in this business as long as you and I have, we realize that you know we want to honor how a partner feels, and we definitely want to honor what her head says, her heart says, feels, and her gut knows. But truly, when somebody's been through extreme betrayal, it gets really hard to decipher because there's that amygdala that says protect yourself at any cost. Don't trust this. You're going to get hurt again. And that's going to keep her safe, but it's not going to help her be close. And so that's where I think a therapist that really understands this work can encourage them to try and be a little bit closer and and create that give and take that's needed when truly protection is first and foremost in the relationship. And there is mm-hmm. no better place to see this than in the actual act of sex. So I'm going to ask you, because we never get to talk about sex on my show. We really don't. We don't have that many experts that know how to deal okay. with sex. What okay. do you think is a good sexual experience for a recovering addict and a partner who's experienced betrayal? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, one of my um, first postgraduate trainings was in integrative body psychotherapy. And I had an amazing teacher that said, in order to have really a great sexual experience, the mind, the heart, and the genitals all have to be on board. And I've taken that and, and started talking to, to addicts about this. And I said, okay, so in your addiction, what do you think was happening? And they're like, oh, well, definitely the genitals. I'm like, yep, definitely the genitals. What else? And they'll say, I think my head as well. I'm like, yeah, that's right. So what's missing? The heart. Right, exactly. The heart's missing in the addiction. So we can't take that template and then have that same template when they're trying to be um, close with their, with, with their wives. It, it just won't work. And the wife will pick up on it. So this emotional piece of, you know, how, how do you um, touch her in a way where your heart is involved as well, right? So it's taking it out of the realm of, well, I want to turn her on and I want to be turned on, or um, I uh, just want her to orgasm, or um, it doesn't even matter if I orgasm, I just want her to orgasm. It's like, no, that's not the goal. Okay, so with, with addiction, sex addiction, orgasm is the goal. Um, and it's like we're, we're, we're coming off of that now. And so the, the, well, one of the most important things is to slow everything down. For a lot of couples, the partners, too, this is really uncomfortable. And it's like, so, you know, what is it like if he just, if he's, and permission, boundaries and permission. And, again, this is all so new and uncomfortable to so many couples. Um, but, but I still, I was like, you know, can you just um, try it and just see if you can stay in your body while this is happening? So he might say, hey, can I, you know, put my hand on, on your upper thigh, just on your upper thigh? What I'm asking from her is to take a deep breath and really see what that feels like. And she might say, you know, that doesn't feel quite comfortable, but, you know, I'm okay if you put your hand on my breast. Okay, right, okay. And then can he do that very, very gently and even ask her, how does that feel? And for her to give him really honest feedback around that. This is really contrary to the addiction it's most likely very contrary to any kind of sexual experience they've had together in the past. So, and a lot of times, Carol, it's contrary to the experience they had before they even met. 
So yeah, I would uh, agree with that. Things, right? Oh my gosh, adolescence, you know, so oh, adolescence and, and experimenting and everything else that could be horrific. So it's okay. We're looking for a redo for for it all. We're looking for a completely new sexual experience for both of them. That's more meaningful. That's more grounded. That's more easy and authentic. And so, Wendy, we know that there are hundreds of thousands of partners and addicts listening. And so after explaining how one can move forward in that sexual relationship, what would you tell the addict? I mean, if they're right there in your office. They're listening right now, actually. Mm-hmm. And the partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would your advice be to each one of them as if they were right there with you right now? As far as if they're being sexual or wanting to be sexual? Yeah, as far, as far as that advice that you just gave. Because what I heard you saying that is so important is that they need to check in with each other and say, mm-hmm. you know, what would feel comfortable and is this okay and what would you like me to do? And then pay attention to that. Right, right. So um, so many times um, it's even difficult to be verbal like that when um, that new experiment, experimentation is happening or um, this, this new way of um, slowing down and thinking about things and um, really being with, you know, this is huge, right? Really being with the other person. And so a, a part is at another time, right, maybe the next day to sit down and do some sort of check-in. And this shouldn't be, the idea of a check-in shouldn't be unusual because it's regular protocol in so many recovery programs, right? It's you check in on sobriety and you check in on recovery. So, um, so ca- can you do another piece of check-in around, well, how was that for you last night? You know, I, you know, what, what, what could have been different? What, uh, what was comfortable for you? What was uncomfortable for you? Um, and honest answers around that. Um, And I would say it's going to be pretty partner heavy at this point. So the addict is saying what was comfortable for you, what was uncomfortable for you, and hearing her answer, watching any kind of defensiveness. It's like, you know, people can get so defensive when it comes to, but I was, you know, but I was just doing what you asked. Well, you might have been doing what she asked, and she's trying to figure this out as the addict is as well. So a lot of grace, a lot of compassion, a lot of faith just create something new and different. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And again, when there's been partner betrayal and when the addict has been for so long isolated and in secrecy, talking about communication, I always say the biggest sexual organ is the brain because it's what actually gets yeah. people to talk and to feel and to to live the life that they want to live. And so that's where it comes back to the first thing that you said, which is, you know, it's okay if you're not sexual right now because truly what you have to do is reestablish a relationship of some sort of trust. And when things begin to get sexual and you can talk to each other about what you want or what makes you feel uncomfortable, wow, that's real vulnerability, which is real intimacy. Yeah. I also... um what, what I tell the guys too is um, I, I say don't don't take any for, thing for granted. So mm-hmm. if um, you know you're let's say you know you're in bed and you know reading and she you know crawls under the covers and is naked, 
That does not mean she wants to have sex. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it does not mean she wants to have sex. And so, so you know, so can you ask her, or can you just say, "Wow, I, you know, I, I see you coming to me and 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 snuggling up to me. Um, do, do you want me to snuggle with you?" And let her answer. And um, also, uh, she might be ready to start being sexual. He may not. And for a man, this is a big challenge as well. But again, I know that that guy is really in recovery when he says, I'm really afraid. I'm afraid that she's going to regress. I'm afraid that I'm going to get you know, yelled at the next day, you know, and it's like, well, that, you know, that makes a lot of sense and that could happen. So how do you say to her, wow, I, I hear you, I hear you saying, right, that you'd, you'd like to take this further tonight, but I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm nervous. Can you have the humility and vulnerability to say that to her? And it doesn't mean you're less than a man by saying that. Yeah, I, you know, I so agree with that. And let's face it, again, in normal relationships, knowing how to proceed is difficult when it comes to sex. And so it's especially tough when there's been infractions and there's reparation that needs to occur and 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 feelings of vulnerability are off the wall and restoration needs to happen now you it sounds like you have just shared with us some strategies um for how couples can who are struggling how they can feel closer do you have any other strategies that you would advise to help couples who are really struggling with intimacy, with trust, with sexuality. Yeah, I, I, um, I think. Cre- so we 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 talk about the partner um, creating safety for herself, right? And that might be, um, hey, I need you to sleep downstairs for a while, or. Um, I need you, you know, not to be in the kitchen when I'm cooking or I don't, I don't want you behind me, you know. So, so she's really feeling out all these different ways to, to feel safe. And um, he's also hopefully um, trying to find ways to be in full recovery and, and ways that he can up his, uh, I'm going to call it outer circle behaviors. So all the things that really bolster his sense of well-being. Um, but we don't talk a lot about what that would look like for the coupleship. Um, we mm-hmm. don't talk about, uh, well, you know, what? how do the both of you feel safe together? Um, what about walking on, so I'm in Boulder, Colorado, so we have amazing mountains here and hiking trails and paths. Um, so it's, if you're, if you're on the hiking path, you know, um, how, how do the two of you feel walking side by side that create a sense of safety for both of you at the same time? For some couples, it's not. It's like, oh, you always are walking ahead of me or, you know, oh, you always want to go faster than me and I want to go at a slower pace. Okay, so that's not an activity <laughs> that's going to work for, for that particular couple. Um, so it's really deepening and not taking anything for granted. So I find that um, along with addiction in couples, there's a lot of codependency. And so um, I hear a lot of, well, I just did that in the relationship because I thought he would like it, or I just did that because I thought, you know, that's something she wanted to do. Um, so all of that has to be cleaned up, all of it. So there's we want to we want to really look at the codependency and say no really um, you say that you like going out for breakfast at this little breakfast place around the corner do both of you really like doing that what is it that you like about that um, if you both like doing that is when you go there uh, working 
is where you're sitting, working, like, you know, down to the, the smallest increment of everything that they're doing together so that they both can say, yeah, this is, this is a safe thing for us to do. I, this is good. Sometimes, it's, um, you know, we both feel really comfortable on the couch watching TV and, you know, and I rub her feet for a while. And then we talk about the show that we were watching. And that, that makes both of us feel really good and connected. Um, you know, not, not connected like zero to 10 at 10, but connected like um, a four. And I will always say, I'll take that. I'll take that. It doesn't have to be a 10. I'll, I'll take lots of fours or threes. I'll take anything that is really um, causing the two of you to come together at some level. Absolutely. And so what would you, um, if you will, how would you define success for our couples that are struggling with intimacy and struggling with, with sexuality? You know, how would you define success for those types of couples? Yeah, I, I appreciate your asking that. I, um, I just launched a new website today that I'm really excited about, um, and I'm going to um, put this on the website. Um, so, so I've developed a, a couple developmental model, and uh, the first stage is um, usually at discovery, and um, the addict is spinning his addiction, and the partner is spinning in her betrayal and realizing her life is completely blown apart. Reality is not what she thought it was. Uh, He thought that these two worlds would never collide, and now they have. And so she is watching every single move he makes, and, you know, like a a hawk, right? Like, where are you going? What are you doing? What are you saying? A lot of focus on him. Um, And uh, this is, you know, this is a pretty chaotic stage. The next stage that I believe has to happen is that he authentically experiences her pain. And he knows it when it happens, and so does she. So it's not, hey, I've said I'm sorry a thousand times, and I get it, and, you know, you know why can't we, you know, why can't you know I get it? Right? That kind of response. It's not that. It's a, it's a deep, it's, and I know this because there's mm-hmm. lots of tears. There's lots of um, him sitting with her and saying, oh, my God, I, I, think I, I think I really do get it now. And she might still be a bit defensive, but on some core level, she, she can hear him. So that's so, mm-hmm, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and so did I hear you say that that information that you just shared is going to be on a new website? Yeah, yeah. So well, tell I, us about I, I that just, website. Sure. So um, the website is www.wendyconquest.com, and um, it's just launched today. There's just a lot of information on there. Uh, regarding sex addiction, uh, betrayal trauma, and trauma. Um, And so I just really encourage you to go there. Um, And so I'm going to put this slide up probably within the next week. Um, There's also information on there. I'm going to start an online class, four classes, uh, and the title is um, What's Happening to Me? And it's really about what's happening to me, the addict, me, the partner, and me, and me, the couple. So, um, so I, I give a lot of information in these four classes online, uh, and it is interactive about um, uh, uh, trauma, how trauma works, how it works in the body, how it works in the mind, um, what people can do to really work with that. Uh, it's it's geared towards the partner, but I really encourage uh, addicts to uh, sign up for it. 
couples can sign up for it. Um, so uh, that that starts in October. It's going to be in October and November. Um, and so they're going to so learn me, a lot about this, right? Say again? They're going to learn a lot about themselves through this process of answering these questions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, and this this model also the the third stage in this is where the couple grieves together uh-huh. and i don't see a lot of couples get to this stage um because that second stage has to happen um mm-hmm. this empathy this passion for the partner has to happen before the two can grieve the addiction together and it's weird Carol it's like the addiction becomes this third thing it's no longer you did this to me you're terrible you're just an addict it's more um, wow this thing that happened to us was really horrific and they both can start categorizing the losses the losses for each person individually and the losses as a couple it's really, when I see this, it's so powerful. It's so moving um, because they, they're in a completely different place. Um, and I really yeah. want to say that, yeah, that, that I know that, 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 in, that in our field, there's a lot of emphasis on disclosure, which I think is really important. But um, I, what I, I'm hearing and, and finding is that sometimes the process stops there and they don't go forward with the impact letter, with the partner's impact letter. Uh-huh. And that impact letter is so crucial. And then his, I know it's called different things, but his letter of, rest, uh, of, of uh, restitution or his amend letter or whatever, you know, I think that is, is also so important. And I think that it, all of these things have to happen no less than um, three months. And, um, well, and so I, I don't know. Wendy, I do good, too. Good. And uh, there's a lot of <laughs> clinicians that, that if they do disclosures, which really should be the very first part of that yeah. all-important trio of empathy and also connection, I mean, that's, these three things, the disclosure, the emotional impact letter, and the restitution is what can catapult a couple into that connection because all of a sudden they understand how each other are feeling, the empathy has occurred, and they're ready to move forward. It's like a magical process. It doesn't happen for everybody. But I would say for the majority of my clients, I mean, I just had a woman last week say, this uh, hearing his restitution letter was a game changer. And he had already yeah. said, hearing her emotional impact letter helped me to really, really get my first major dose of empathy. So yeah. I am a proponent of them also. And I agree, it should be done within the first three months. I encourage a woman, if she's been through the disclosure and she's not in total trauma brain, she really needs to give her feelings and thoughts a voice, and that's by doing the emotional impact letter. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, I don't. I uh, I don't think it should happen in less than a month, um, mm-hmm. because I think that each piece needs to really be taken in and sort of you know the the. the that 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 both people can can um, review it and chew on it and and really process it each piece that happens. Um, I think that's really important for success. Um, but when that happens, um, and I have to say the the this last stage of this de- this developmental couples developmental model is that, um, and I see this rarely, but sometimes that the couple spontaneously, organically create something new. And it, it, I've, I, it could be that they both say, you know what, we should move. I think 
they think we should move to, you know, say they're living in Miami, Montana. And they and the other person goes, you know, I was thinking the same thing. And so it's not um, planned so much, you know, it's not planned. It's not a solution to a problem. It's not that. It's not running away from anything. It's this piece of um, moving to, it's like the, the health and the relationship manifests in something bigger than both of them. It could be that they start a new business together. It could be that, you know, maybe they start talking about having another baby together. But something something different. It's something different. Um, a lot of people at this point will renew their wedding vows. I have so many clients who, you know, trash their old wedding rings and um, do completely new vows. Um, a new beginning. It's, it's a brand new beginning. Um, and when I see that, I, I you know, it's, wow, it's, it's in, I, I can feel and see all the work that individually they've done and as a couple they've done. Well, you know what I love, Wendy, is your energy. I mean, anybody who's listening to you right now gets that you have a special hope for partners and addicts alike that they, once they get the information they need, they can figure out what is the next step. So I want to remind people that I am talking with Wendy Conquest, and she is, works out of Boulder, Colorado. You can connect with her on www.facebook.com, wendy.conquest, that's C-O-N-Q-U-E-S-T, dot three, or they can get a hold of you by contacting you through your website, www.wendyconquest.com. As we wrap up tonight's show, is there anything else you think you've got? Oh, we got a minute. In 60 seconds, is there anything else you want to share with our listening audience? Yeah, I would. Um, the biggest piece is when you think that it's the darkest, Stay in there. Keep, keep, keep in there. Keep, keep um, listening to your heart, soul, body, um, and for the addicts especially, it, this is tough going. The recovery is tough. The, the recovery of the couple is really tough. But um, don't give up hope. Uh, for her, I would say, hey, you know, if you're done then you're done, and and that's okay. Um, and what I wish for her is that whatever decision she makes, she has no regret. That, that five years down the line, she said, you know what? I gave it the best I could, and I'm glad I stayed, or I gave it the best I could, and I had to go. Um, and yeah, I'm for him, I'm my client about integrity, you know, for an addict, yeah. if he has done the best he can do and it's not enough because there's been too much fracturing, he did it with integrity. And if she ends up leaving the relationship because she just doesn't feel safe, good for her for paying attention to her gut. Yeah. Yeah. Carol, I want to thank you so much for all the work you do for both addicts and partners. I, I am always impressed with the amount of time, energy, and commitment that you have. Thank you so much. Well, Wendy, it has been truly a treat. And considering we were going to do this late, late, late for me, I so appreciate that we got to do it a little bit early. And I look forward to collaborating again, maybe even in an additional way. Let's write a book or something together. That would be great. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. All right, Wendy. You take care, and thanks again so much. You, you too, and happy anniversary. Thank you. All right, that was Wendy Conquest, and again, you can reach her at www.wendyconquest.com. And as I say at the end of every show, guys, you know there will only be one of you at all times. I fearlessly want you.
want you to be yourself and um, make it a good week. And I'll keep you posted on the online course. I'm super excited about it. We'll talk soon.